Before we get into today's podcast, I did just want to make a quick editorial note. When I interviewed our special guest, Danielle Melendy, for this podcast, she worked for Click Brands, and now she's actually launched her own HR consulting company that works with startups, including Click's newest beauty brand, Versed. So we're really excited, and um, this is one of my favorite episodes. Here we go. Hello, friends. We're back around the table here at the Get It Together podcast. And today's topic is a hot one, everybody. How to get hired. Let's keep it simple. We all need jobs. How do we get them? Well, I am going to share some secrets in terms of what I look for when I'm hiring for positions across our company. And then I have two experts who are joining me today. We have Danielle Melendy, from uh, Click Media Group. Click is the uh, mega brand or the parent company, I should say, of uh, brands like Who, What, Where, Birdie, My Domain, the list goes on. And then uh, we also have Tanya Luddy, who's actually with E-Trade. So I thought both of these people could provide some really unique insights um, into what they're looking for when they're doing hiring. And uh, they both have great things to share. So excited to welcome them here today. And uh, we're just going to dive in. We're just going to tell you how to get a job today. No big deal. No big deal. Just how to get a job. We're just going to change your life. Let's get into it. To kick this off, we'll have Tanya and Danielle introduce themselves. Uh, Danielle, do you want to start? Sure. Um, so my name's Danielle Melindy. I am our director of people and culture at Click Brands, um, which is a little bit of a funny title. But basically what I do is I oversee all things people related, um, particularly working with our employees, working with our recruiters to make sure that we have the best people and that we retain the best people. So um, I oversee uh, our internship program at the moment. Um, I've overseen a couple internships uh, programs in the past. Um, and I think that's about it. So you're in yeah. it. You're in this I'm world in on I'm a day to day. This is a fun place to be and I'm excited to be here. So it's it's fun to interact. When I was trying to figure out what job I wanted to do, I was like, I like people. I like talking. Yeah. And so <laughs> somehow I was able to find a job where I get to do that all day. <laughs> that's great. I love that. And uh, Tanya, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So I'm um, Tanya Luddy. I work at E-Trade Financial out of our Jersey City office. And um, I head up the campus recruitment program there. And what that really means is um, myself and my team, we actively recruit um, interns and recent college hires for full-time opportunities, as well as um, running the program for both our intern and full-time candidates that come on board and really, you know, introducing them to our company, our brand, our culture, as well as having touch points uh, with our full-time candidates over um, the next two years that they're really with us. So um, similar to Danielle, I wanted to figure out a way that I could work with people on a day-to-day basis and, and really travel and meet people from all over. And here we are. Great. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, I think uh, hopefully our listeners are really excited to hear from both of you. So a goal for this podcast is really to kind of dive deep. I think anybody can go online and just Google like tips to get hired and they're going to find a bunch of content, some of which is written by myself. <laughs> but uh, I think we wanted to have, again, a deeper conversation today and hopefully like really go below the surface to figure out what people need to do 
what people need to talk about in their interviews and just how people can position themselves so that they do get hired. Um, I pulled a couple different like interesting stats and, and quotes and things that I'll, I'll go over as we go through. Um, but to kick this off, First, I have a quote that I made up myself as I was planning for this that I wanted to run by both of you. And then I have a list of some of the things that I'm looking for. And I just want to kind of have a, you know, just chat with you both and, and see if, if you feel the same way and then see what you have to um, add to that afterward. So as I was writing down, you know, what I really look for when I'm hiring, I, I kept thinking to myself that candidates always say, I have to be different. How can I be different? How can I be different? And I kept answering the question in my own head by saying, I don't need someone different. I just need someone great. Yep. Right? And I think people spend so much time on what makes them different. And again, that that's great. I'd love to have a unique, authentic voice and, and all of that. But at the end of the day, I don't really care. I just need someone who's great. So I just wanted to see, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Uh, actually, I do. So as far as like, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. So being different is very, I mean, it's great when you're out there and you're trying to figure out like, hey, how can I stand out amongst all these people? But really it's in a little bit of play on words, like the way to be different is to be great. Mm -hmm. And when you're joining a company, you're not going to, you don't really want to stand out. You want somebody who's going to fit into your culture. You want somebody who's going to be able to work with you and work with your team. And if you find somebody who's so out there and so different, it's not going to gel well with what's going on. And as we've seen every where it's really, really culture that makes companies great and right. fitting into that culture. So as much as you want to stand out, stand out for being great. Right. Yeah. 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 And so just um, really kind of diving in there, that is one of the ways to get hired, right, is if you really look at a company's culture and kind of see if you fit into that culture. And, and so just, you know, really echoing what both Lauren and Danielle said is that that is really what most people are looking for when they're looking for candidates. At the end of the day, you know, there's a certain set of people that really um, on paper meet the requirements of a role and kind of fit the role on paper. But at the end of the day, I would say one of the biggest deciding factors is, is this person aligned with our culture? Right. I love that. So we all think that a culture fit is really important. And, you know, so again, I made this list and I put three things, I think, yeah, three things here on it. Um, I'll go through them real quick. And then again, we can kind of have a larger conversation about it. So the first thing that I put down was loyalty. Now I am like, sometimes I think I am, I should be dubbed like the transparent or the raw CEO <laughs> because I probably share more, more than I should sometimes. But, you know, Speaking of loyalty, we have someone in our studio here today, Marisol. Marisol's been, she knew I would talk about her, I'm sure. <laughs> so Marisol's been with me for three years, and sadly, her last day is tomorrow, which I am like secretly freaked out about, but, you know, trying to keep it together. Um, so... But I think three years at a small company is kind of all you can ask for. Like, that's that's pretty rare. I mean, my company's been around for 10 years. We've only had employees probably for six years. Like, someone staying for three years is a pretty good amount of time. Um, but finding other people that want to kind of follow in the Marisol footsteps, if you will, and that want to stay and grow, I think that's so important. I've been doing a lot of interviews this week, and a lot of people start the interviews by telling me their passion. They want to be a director one day or a screenwriter one day. And so they're basically telling me that they're a short-term hire, right. right? And, you know, you really yeah. want 
the loyalty factor. Um, the other two things that I put down, uh, just to kind of go through this list, one is like readiness. I want someone who's just ready to go, right? I don't care that they know how to do every single thing perfectly. I just want someone who's like ready to do it and do it with a smile on their face. I mean, as the CEO of a small business, I always say I'm the person that sits on the floor and stuffs the gift bags when I need Mm -hmm. to. And you kind of want the, you want those people on your team who aren't going to stop and think, wait, do I personally want to do this today? No, it doesn't really matter. I mean, there's plenty of things that I do all day that I don't personally want to do, but I don't even think that way. I just do it because it's in, you know, the best interest for the company and the audience and all of that. So anyways, I put down loyalty, readiness, and then I put relevant experience. And the experience doesn't even have to be in my industry. In fact, one of our managers that I hired uh, two years ago, she came from like the cosmetics industry, which really has nothing to do with intern queen, but she was able to draw a parallel Mm -hmm. and it really impressed me. So I think you can draw parallels from whatever experience you have. So anyways, those are the three things that I put down on how to get hired. Loyalty, readiness and relevant experience. So what are your thoughts? Uh, So I think, you know, on all of those different things, they're definitely important. And I think when we look at loyalty, I'll start there. Yeah. There's something and our candidates out there right now are just a different type of candidate. I think they're looking for always going for the next step and always Always looking looking for for the next thing. Yes. What's out there and kind of getting to um, you want to cross the finish line before really having the experience that gets you there. And I like that. You want to cross the finish line before figuring out what gets you there. I like that. But, and, and what I, and this is what I tell all of our, our um, entry level employees or anybody that's really coming in or interns. And it's like, enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get to be able to understand how to solve a problem or answer a question or deal with the situation if you haven't had experience to get there. So when you're looking at the, and I guess loyalty is that I see it more as a little bit uh, experience and right. wanting to go down that journey. See everything as a learning experience. See everything as an opportunity to get uh, information, to tap into mentors, to make mistakes and have somebody else. I always tell my team, I'm like, make mistakes. If I know that you're out there with the company and you know your intentions are good and you're looking out for the company, I will have your back 100%. So if right. we go down, we go down together. You want to make mistakes under somebody who's going to do that. When you're crossing the finish line, if I'm out there making mistakes like that, I have a little more weight on my shoulders. I have right. to face more consequences. So when you're looking at trying to get to that next step, appreciate kind of the path and the journey how to get there. And that doesn't mean you're not going to be a director someday. And that's probably not going to mean you're not going to have the experiences that you're looking for as a director. Um, and so we're seeing people who want to go through these different phases really quickly and which is great. And what we see is a very entrepreneurial person coming up and they want to have those experiences and they're gritty and they're hungry and we have to be able to give them. And as I'm a millennial and I feel like I'm kind of one of those like old school millennials, but as a millennial, like I want that stuff too. And I have to constantly shift my perspective and put myself in their shoes and phase it or phrase it in a way that's like, Hey, I hear you. Let's get you there. But I'm going to need you to kind of walk with me, kind of lock steps so that we can get to that point. Right. And what do you guys recommend for, I'm um, just going off of that point. Maybe Tanya, you have some thoughts, but um, 
What do you recommend for a student who, again, does have these, like, or not even a student, just anyone, right? A recent grad that's looking for work or looking to be hired and does have these, like, super lofty goals. How can they go into an interview and not kind of sink the ship? Like, how can they, you know, express themselves without ruining their chances? (laughs) Yeah, I I think, right, so um, what I'll say is uh, on uh, what I've experienced um, during my time and really focusing on campus talent. Um, what I would say is, right, when you're trying to articulate those goals that you have for your for yourself for the future, maybe assign kind of realistic years to that. So depending on your industry, you know, if you want to come into a financial technology company and you want to become, let's just say, a CPA or, or something down that line, maybe assigning goals, um, annual goals to that. So saying, you know, I know I just graduated, I want to be successful in this role, but in the future, I would like to accomplish A, B, or C. So I think that that's a nice way to articulate that you have a plan and that, you know, you're very passionate about what you want to do. You want to get your feet on the ground and just start running. Um, I think assigning realistic goals to that is a way to really articulate that to anybody that you're interviewing with. That's a good idea. And then um, any other thoughts on those other two items I mentioned, which are like, you know, hi- wanting to hire people that are just ready to go, who aren't going to roll their eyes when you, you know, give them an assignment, just people that are hungry and ready. And I think those people are, I don't know if it's that maybe as an interviewer it can be hard to find the right interview questions to really mm-hmm. get that sense. But I feel like those people are hard to find these days. I think they are. I think we call it grit. You got to have a little bit of grit. You mm-hmm. not, can't be afraid to get your hands dirty. Um, you know, I, I oversee a team. I am a part of, you know, very serious conversations having to do with our company. I'm also the person, if our kitchen's messy, I'm out there cleaning the kitchen because right. I don't want it to be gross. <laughs> that might be like a personal thing, but okay. it's one of those things that as, uh, I think if you look at yourself as I'm joining this team, I'm invested as this team, I'm part of this team, and I'm, you know, what I do is looking out for the betterment of the, the company, jumping in mm-hmm. and finding that readiness to be involved. Um, it's, it's seeing it as your company. And I think that that's kind of what we look for is like, think like a CEO, think of it as your company. If you know, you were running your company and the trash was overflowing, would you let that just continue to overflow or would you take it out? If there's something that's happening and there's an event and if somebody's not able to get a gift bag there or get a, you know, get the setup there, that event's probably going to fail. And as a CEO, you'd be like, no, I need to go out and do it. So I think it's really important for, um, everybody coming into the company, and that's something we really look for to think like a CEO when it comes to your budget. Are you going out and spending money on crazy things, or are you trying to be scrappy so you're right. thinking of the bottom line? So the readiness, that aspect of it is like I I can see the, the goals, I can see the vision, and I can see myself as part of that solution. No, oh, absolutely. And then in terms of relevant experience, so you both work in different industries. Um, so maybe, Tanya, you can kind of kick us off. But in terms of experience, like what kind of experience, um, you know, are you looking for when you're interviewing talent? Yeah, so it kind of ties back into what we were just discussing of, you know, really being ready and um, taking on anything that's really thrown at you. And to use um, Danielle's word, really having some grit. So that's kind of what we're really looking for um, for our programs at E-Trade. And what we've done is kind of really democratized 
um, campus recruitment in the sense that we don't have specific schools that we recruit at. We don't have specific majors that we recruit. The only kind of functions that we do have to stay aligned are like, for example, audit, because you just can't get around that. But we, we really look for that profile, that culture fit. Those are the skills that we look for. Um, you know, and if we're talking about a full-time role, we do look for prior internships. But again, it doesn't have to necessarily tie back um, to our company and our roles. We, we really hire profiles. So it's really that person who has that aptitude um, to learn, is interested in learning, um, someone who kind of has an analytical mindset. So I think that that's really what kind of sets us apart a little bit. Um, is that we don't have so many uh, restrictions, especially when we think about the financial services world. Um, so I would say in terms of experience, um, and you gave a great example, Lauren, of the manager you just hired, but really how can you tie back anything that you've done in the past to what you're looking to do? Right. Yeah, and then so um... – Danny, for you, I mean, Click Brands, um, I mean, is a dream company for so many young, you know, men and women to work at. Can you explain also, by the way, like which brands are part yes. of Click Brands? Because I think people will start to like fangirl out. Yes. Um, so Click Brands, we are, so we are a media company and we're also a consumer brands company. So our media umbrella are the brands that are Who What Wear, My Domain, Birdie, College Fashionista, Obsessy, and then we have our consumer brands line, which you've probably seen us out at Target, um, which is our Who What Wear line, which is our Joy Lab line, and really an area we're focused in moving forward in the next uh, couple of years. So, uh, Click Brands isn't very well known, and I usually have to go back and be like, oh, have you been to Target lately? That's where yeah. Um, so those are our different brands. Um, and what was the other part of the question? No, um, I was just, <laughs> I was going to ask you, um, it's like, I think that was the part of that part yeah. of the question. Um, but so what do you look for when you're looking for, um, hires? Because I know so many of our listeners would die, you know, to work for a company like yours. So, and, and that's very flattering here. Hmm. And that's something that I really love about working at Click is really the people that we get to work with and the things that we get to work on. Um, there are things that I'm passionate about and really things that our employees are passionate about as well. Uh, so we look for really a core profile. And we want to find somebody, as I said, we really go back to culture and we look for mm -hmm. that gritty person. We look for a lot of potential. Uh, I was talking to one of our editors at College Fashionista and uh, what I've come up with, how do I get experience? I really, how do you get an internship if right. you don't have experience? Right. And so much about it is like, well, what do you do in your free time? Like, do you right. have a blog? What's your social media look like? Like, if you're applying for a social media page, girl, you better know. Like, I'm going to be yeah, checking you out better, your, like, social yeah, media Yeah, you better page. have a good social media page. Absolutely. So, um, I think it's looking at it as uh, experience in total. What are you doing in your personal life? How do you represent yourself? Because the things that you're passionate about really do translate into the workplace. Right. Um, and making sure you find that person that is entrepreneurial, who is really invested in making sure they are part of the future and want to move the brands forward. And it's really fun to work at a company like this, but this is the hardest group of people, like working people that I know. Um, and they, they come to work passionate every single day. And I think that passion really brings them um, 
uh, it gets them in the door and it keeps them there as well. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked a lot about, I, I love how the word grit has come up a lot. Um, that, that's amazing. And we talked about loyalty and relevant experience and, um, just kind of being ready. And uh, Tanya, I thought that was a great point about kind of setting out your goals in the, uh, in that interview so that you, you come across as ambitious, but like not, to your point, Danny, you're not uh, crossing the finish line before you run the race. So um, what what are we forgetting? Like, what are some other things that you think are crucial for people that just want to get hired? And maybe people who feel like, oh, I'm going from interview to interview and just hitting a wall. So I think sometimes there's a spackle effect. Like you throw a lot of things at the wall and hope that something sticks. Uh, my advice is if you are, if you have a position that you're passionate about and, you know, if you, if this is the one job that you want and say, and I always say like, Hey, go out and find those five jobs that you would die to have and put your effort there. Don't apply mm-hmm. to the 20 different jobs. Go out that there. That you don't and, care about, right? Exactly. Or like, don't put in like a half try trying to get those things. So it is a full-time job trying to get a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you apply online and stop there, chances are you're probably not going to get it. So reach out to the hiring manager. Send a cold email. Reach out to the HR person. Try to connect with them on a personal level. Figure out, do your research. Make it apparent that you're going to put in your time, you know, during the research process to be a good candidate, which also translates to I'm going to put in um, the work and the effort as an employee to be a good employee. So I would say, you know, if you're looking for a job and I know it can be frustrating and I've talked to my friends before and they're like, I've applied to all these places and nothing's working. A, I think you're either applying for the wrong jobs. B, I think you might need a friend to kind of set you straight and say, like, right. hey, like, if you're applying to this many jobs and it's not working out, maybe you're saying something or coming across in a long way or maybe your salary expectations are too high. Maybe you're in the wrong field as far as you're applying for this type of job and maybe the level isn't correct. Right. Um, so I think kind of having that ju- or, uh, gut check. I think that's a great point. And I love that you just said the gut check because that is what it is. And Tanya, what about you? What are some things that, again, if you had to, you know, tell that person who's listening to this in their car on the airplane right now and thinking, oh, why am I not getting hired? You know, what would you tell them? Yeah, so um, I'm going to really reply on a more traditional approach. I think everyone, um, you know, and this is a a busted myth at the same time, I think everyone thinks that when they apply to some of the larger, more traditional companies, that there's some kind of, you know, black hole. (laughs) Yeah, algorithm that's picking up words, and that's why they're not getting hard because they don't have the right words. What I will say is at the end of the day, right, if you're filling out, um, an online application and there are requirements and you don't meet them, you're right. We're uh, actual human reviews that and we're not going to open your application. So I would say on top of um, everything that Danielle just mentioned, really look at those requirements. Yes. Do you meet those requirements? If you don't, um, you're just essentially at the end of the day, you're wasting your time. No one's going to look at your application. And then if we're really focusing, you know, you've made it to the interview, maybe you need to Think about, you know, what you're saying, practice in front of a camera or a mirror or um, Mm -hmm. kind of, as Danielle said, really a friend who's going to gut check you, be blatantly honest and say, well, you're coming across very negative in your interview or you're not really focused on that specific role. 
Absolutely. And as you guys were talking, I, I wrote a couple of things down. I kept circling the word gut check because <laughs> I think it's so on. And um, I loved uh, your advice about the, the salary expectations because I do think that's important. And I think even before you have certain interviews, a lot of people go to glassdoor.com. And if I could tell you, I mean, I sit in so many interviews. I don't know if you guys have where someone will say, well, Glassdoor.com says that I should be making this amount of money. And I think the problem is that usually Glassdoor is tied to position titles. And depending on what company you're working for, those position titles could mean so many different levels. You know, a VP Mm -hmm. of marketing at one company isn't necessarily the VP of marketing at another. And um, so I, I would encourage you to have real conversations with people who are close enough to you that you can ask about, you know, salary expectations and, you know, for that size of business or whatever it is. So I, I do think that's um, really important. Um, some different things that I wrote down, uh, the full-time job mentality, right? Your job is to get a job. Uh, so Danny, you said that getting a job is a full-time job yes. and that's so spot on. And I always say that when I moved from Florida, like you, yes. I love that. Um, when I moved from Florida to Los Angeles, you know, my job was to get a job. And I remember I lived in West Hollywood and there used to be a place in West Hollywood. It's not there anymore. It was called Romans. (laughs) And it was like half coffee, half cafe. And they had outlets. So I was like, this is great. And I would wake up at eight in the morning. I would go to Romans. It was my job. I would plug in and I would just hang out there and just do everything I could to get a job. And I was, they probably hated me. I mean, I would (laughs) sit there until like three o'clock in the afternoon, but my job was to get a job. And I do think it's so important to treat it like that. Whenever I talk to people who say, oh, well, I applied to a few things on Monster, you know, Nothing's happening there. So um, a couple other things I wrote down, um, and these are some basics that you probably could find online, but um, when I'm looking through resumes, because I'm hiring for about three positions right now, when I see a generic cover letter, I automatically think, does this person want to work for me? Did they mean to apply here? Am I one of 3,000 resumes, which I probably am? Um, I think that uh, spelling errors in your cover letter, not calling the company name the right thing. Another thing, what, what do you guys think about this? I think people need to like figure it out and make themselves available. When I have an interview scheduled with someone and then they push the interview on me, I'm just kind of like, well, <laughs> punctuality's not, right. you know, not a thing. What do you guys think about that? I think um I get things come up and I get right. that they're a last minute, especially if you're working or right. if you like have a, another job, another right. job or something. I right. understand and like there it's difficult to try to schedule everything in. So I try right. to be as optimistic about the situation as possible but what i don't think candidates always know is that i've got five people lined up for you to meet right and there might be important people and it might be the only time that i can get you that's a really good point the only time when they can meet um and so i will try to accommodate to the best that i can but we need a little bit of flexibility or at least a little bit of notice. So if you have an interview on Friday and it's Monday and you know that something's going to come up and on Wednesday you find out, let me know Wednesday. Don't let me know Friday because then I have to go back and say, oh, sorry, VP of marketing. This person can't meet with you. And then guess what? The next person who can meet with them is likely the person right, they're gonna hire. that they're going to hire. Yeah. Absolutely. 
And let's see. So I, we have this list here of um, it's from the U.S. It's from U.S. News and it's nine insider tips to getting hired. So I'm just going to read some of these and let's see if we've already covered them. So one. OK, we didn't talk about this yet. One is um, interview body language. That's interesting. Tips to get hired body yeah. language. Now, so many interviews are over the phone. Well, we do first round interviews over the mm-hmm. phone. Do you guys do over the phone or in person? Uh, um, we we actually leverage um, digital uh, interviews. Ah, um, that's that's a, um, I would say that people are who are way too relaxed. Um, if you don't have the content to back up kind of that body language, uh, we'll probably just skip through your video. Um, and I, what I would say is we don't mind people who talk with their hands. I mean, there's a lot of people that talk with their hands. That's fine. It's not, <laughs> yeah, it's not that. I'm like doing it right now, but it's not that distracting. Um, but definitely people who are really slumped over or, um, and, and we get it. Sometimes it's tough by the way you have your camera position, whether it's on your computer or you're leveraging a cell phone to do it. Um, but I would say people who are slumped over or, you know, just way too relaxed, maybe with their hands behind their head. And um, that that's not a good look. But we do look for people who try to, be as engaged as possible um, while they're recording themselves. Yeah. And it does make a difference. I mean, even in person, like when someone's sitting across from you and they're kind of like sunken in and kind of shy, you know, you are wondering, like, do I need to shake them? Like, what, you know, is, is this how they would act, you know, when they're sitting at our front desk? Like, you know, what, what is this going to be like? Right. Um, and I think, you know, it's kind of a full package too. Like your body language, I would say is 80% of, of your communication style. So the words that you're saying, if you're there, I'm a really happy person. And then you're sitting there and you're everything about you is like, oh gosh, that person's having an awful day or I don't think they're very happy. Right. It can be pretty contradicting. Um, so I think even more so like, Think about how you're sitting, how you're saying things, the pace of your voice. Sometimes it's hard. I have friends that get so nervous during interviews, and it's like people understand that. Like it's not an awkward when you. I have to make up things to talk about all the time. It can be really awkward. Right. Um. So take a breath. Understand. Like we get where you're coming from. Even say I'm sorry. I'm really nervous. We'll kind of cut the cut the ice or is that the how you say it break Break the the ice ice. yeah break the Um, ice break the ice um so i think that it's that it's also making sure like you i I, there's something to be said about like dressing up and being in the the mindset for that yeah dressing to impress and sometimes like if you're on a phone interview if you're sitting there in your pajamas or your workout clothes it's a little hard to get in the right mindset right and kind of feel the part yeah Put on your, a nice outfit. Like, make sure that you're feeling you're in the headspace to be able to talk to somebody. You um, want to feel profesh. Exactly. I like it. Um, so some other things that this list has on it, uh, two more that I want to point out that I think are great. Um, one says, you know, good resumes answer this question. What did you accomplish in this job that someone else wouldn't have? And the other thing that I like that they put down is um, that you want to match the job description. So I always think putting accomplishments on resumes um, is a great thing. Um, 
And then also with matching the job description, something that we talk about a lot at Intern Queen is that the job description sort of gives you the answers to the test. So when you're prepping for your interview or even putting together your resume, customizing your cover letter, go through that job description with a highlighter. They're telling you exactly what they need. So it's your job to speak to experiences that are relevant or to take whatever experience you have Mm -hmm. and try your best to make it sound relevant. Um, Do you guys agree with that? That's actually my biggest advice when I talk to people who are looking for jobs. I say cut and paste that job description into your resume and make sure that it's applicable to you so you can speak to every single part. Um, And that's where it's like also making sure like you're customizing each resume to the company that you're applying for. Right. It's absolutely the the guide to getting hired. It's because they're basically telling you this is what I'm looking for. And when it comes to specifics, the more numbers and the more concrete facts that you could put in your resume, the better. If I'm a, if I say I'm a really good salesperson, but then I follow it up, and I guess the comparison would be I've sold blah 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 in this amount of time, and mm-hmm. I've won this award. So I always say stick with specifics because specifics a it gives your recruiter something to talk about. Yep. And b it also puts some context to the stuff that you're doing. Yep. Absolutely. And Tanya, what do you think? And- um, so I definitely agree. One thing I'll say about the um, cover letter, I know you both said that you read them. I would say in our space, we don't read cover letters unless it's a career changer. And what I mean right. by that, um, I'll use myself as an example. So my undergrad degree is in hospitality, but I really wanted to get into um, kind of the HR field. So I went back to grad school. So if you have a situation like that, so for example, let's just say this is really popular right now. Um, I would say in the campus space is you're studying chemical engineering and you want to be a software engineer now that's when we really read the cover letter because we're trying to find out why it is you want to switch um but other than that to be very candid we actually don't read cover letters and i think that's really good to know i maybe i'm the only one that's like opening the (laughs) random attachments like do they really want to work for me (laughs) um everybody says ask questions after the interview i totally agree with that however I feel like the questions need to be relevant to the position that they're applying for. And uh, there's a time and place to ask me, like, when I started Intern Queen and why I started and, like, where do I see the business in 10 years, you know? Questions like that are, are are okay. And, you know, I talk about my, you know, beginnings all the time online everywhere. But in an interview, I want to talk about the position. I want to hear about them. I love when people say, what are the challenges of working at this company? Or what's the company culture like? Or can you describe a day in the role as an assistant at your company? Because that's, to me, you know, on track, Right. Um, I think that every college counselor has told somebody coming through their office, you need to ask questions at the end of an interview, which is great. And I really appreciate that because what they're trying to say is you need to be – this is a two-way street. You're right. interviewing them as much right. as Right. It has to be a fit, you. right? The thing that I think is missing is it needs to be relevant. It needs to have context. It can't be a waste of time. And the questions that I get asked over and over, I was like, these are the three questions that are so generic. And I can answer (laughs) these. But to be honest, like if you read our website, you would probably know know what that is. Or uh, if. Oh, yeah. You get you probably get all kinds of questions like about who, what, where and all of that. I mean, interesting (laughs) questions. Um, And and. And kind of it's the check the box thing. Like, 
oh, what's your favorite thing about working there? Yeah. And, you know, I have lots of favorite things about working yeah. there. But, you know, I, I that's not the most relevant thing that's in probably for you, too. That's not the most relevant thing right. about our interview. And yeah, it's not going to help me get to a decision. Right. So I would say ask smart questions, but also show ask questions that show you've been listening to the conversation. Um, and if it's something that you really care about, make sure that it's something that you bring up. So. I always want to point out, like, this is a two-way street. You need to make sure that this is the right decision for you. And also make sure that you're asking questions to really, as you said, what's a day in the life like? That's an amazing question because it, A, gives the person who's interviewing so much context about what's going to be happening if they get the role. And B, also makes me feel like you care about the role rather than just, why do you like working on a click? Yeah, so. absolutely. And, and Tanya, what were you going to add? Yeah, so I was going to add similar, but something that we find really impressive is, you know, typically when you go on an interview, you um, get the names of the people that you're going to be interviewing with. And we think it's really impressive if you've kind of done your homework and you're able to ask questions about that specific person. So, for example, say you're going to interview with myself, um, you can ask specific questions that pertain to the company. So kind of like if you've been in this, you've been in this role for this, much time and I've seen you've had the opportunity to really grow with the company. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Um, That shows that, you know, you've done your homework, you're really interested in the role and you're also right. We talked about this earlier in the cast, but um, if you have a plan to kind of um, move ahead to a director role, as an example, it kind of, you're articulating that, but it also shows interest in the interviewer that you want to see how they did it. And you can actually learn from that, what their timeline was like. So something that Marisol and I, I'm just putting her on the spot all day today, but something that Marisol and I talk about a lot, we just talked about it yesterday, is distance. And um, I'll give you two examples. So we get a lot of resumes from, you know, students and recent grads that live in Alabama or Minnesota or wherever, and they're trying to apply for either internships or jobs in LA. And I think it is different, internship versus job. I think with an internship, usually we'll say, if you can make sure that you write a, going back to cover letters, a cover letter that clearly says, even though you go to University of Alabama, you're going to be in LA from this state to this state. Like, If I knew the student was serious about being in L.A., I would probably pass that resume on. However, with some of these recent grads that have Alabama on their resume and they want me to send their resume to Click Brands or whoever it is, I always say to them, like, what if you don't move? Then I am just wasting my contacts time. Like, I can't be helpful to you until you're here. I mean, when I moved from Florida, I really didn't apply for jobs before I was here. So I do spend a lot of my time telling people they need to be here. Um, And then that's for out-of-state people. And then Another point I want to bring up, and of course, I get your feedback on, is distance. So my lovely Marisol, who I am going to mess with all my heart here, um, she lives really far away. And the commute is, you know what, how long is it? Oh, you don't have heads. It's about two hours each way. Okay, each way. Um, She comes in three days a week. But when I hired her, we didn't have an office yet. So it was a remote position. And then as we got an office, you know, we tried to be flexible with three days a week, you know, working from home two days a week. But it's always been hard. And on days that it rains, uh, she knows it's it's bad. And Marisol loves Intern Queen. So um, whenever I 
And, you know, that's distance isn't really something I probably would have thought of before when interviewing candidates. But now I am so aware of it because I'm like, if Marisol, if the drive bothers her, could bother other people. Now, Marisol and I talked about this and Marisol was like, but if you have someone who's young and hungry, they're going to want to make the drive. Like she was saying, you know, at the beginning of her career, she was ready to make the drive no matter what. Like she would have been the best person. She would have hated to miss out because of that. So it is sort of this, you know, what do you do? So I, I now I'm super sensitive to it when I interview someone and I know that they live over 30 minutes away. I'm like, okay, you're going to like that commute for one year, but like, what about year two? You know, like who, who, I wouldn't want to do it. Who's going to want to do it? So I'm just curious to get your thoughts on distance. And I wonder, Tanya, too, in your industry, because it's a little bit different. Um, I don't know if you feel differently about it. Yeah. So I actually am going to agree to disagree with both your points. Oh, I like it. I like so- it getting juicy on the podcast today (laughs) (laughs) so the first thing um in terms of -of out-of-state people we actually in the campus space are telling um people not to put their address on their resumes um for a variety of reasons one right it gets into um discrimination from a socioeconomic um that's interesting Um, that's number one yeah yeah and then um, number two, right, again, that touches back to your point of distance from location or being somewhere. It minimizes their chances. But most of the candidates are really um, serious about, you know, having new experiences and moving somewhere. So I'll tell you, we had a candidate who is from Utah. We have an office in Utah. She really wanted to work in New York City, um, the metro area, so to speak. And so she's been with us for over a year now. She loves it here. She loves to visit her home, but she wants to be here. And had we not, if we have overlooked her because of where she came from, then um, we we wouldn't have this great kind of new analyst that brings a different perspective that's not maybe so East Coast centric, so to speak, or the normal um, candidate that we get. And then in terms of distance, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is, um, you know, a regional thing or not, but I would say people in the tri-state area here in the East coast i would say an hour an hour and a half is like the normal average commute right because you no, i agree um, i think it's kind of the norm right you yeah. like i have cousins who commute from jersey on the train every day yeah. but it is i do feel like there is a difference in la especially when it you is. know everyone's right driving in but yeah mm-hmm. but i but i hear you exactly. i know what you mean in terms of that east coast like commute commuter mentality for sure yeah i was just gonna say i was gonna say la doesn't have you know the public transportation that we have like you can't yeah. come from uh, ontario california into into the city like it's right. just nothing to take yeah but i know i love your perspective though tanya and i i love that it's a that it's a unique perspective and just you know how you're talking about like if you overlook someone based on the location you really could be missing out on you know the next best next best the next marisol <laughs> um and danny what do you think about that uh I, I agree with Tanya. Um, yeah. I'm actually one of those people. I moved from Florida. I got a job offer in Santa Monica. Oh, from Florida. From Look Florida. at that. Look at that. Um, I uh, 
I went out on a whim on an interview and they said, can you be here in two weeks? And I said, yes. And I moved my entire life across the country. I didn't know a single person in Los Angeles. I found an apartment on Craigslist. Thank God they weren't serial killers. (laughs) Um, And I made it happen. And so I think for those people, like it definitely shows that you're willing to do what it takes. And we see that at Click a lot. Every, I mean, from interns to full-time people will move to where the job is. Um, So I don't think it's as big of a concern for us just because we've had a lot of proven success with it. Um, And the advice that I give to somebody who is trying to find a job out of state is to Tanya's point, take your, like, take your address off. Take the address off. I think that's a great point. And so wait, so panel, what's your advice for me when I not, I'm not worried about the out of state thing because I'm, I'm not looking at that so much, but when I'm talking to people that I know have a, I'm not talking about like a Los Angeles commute. I'm talking like, you know, an hour and a half commute in LA traffic and you know they say they're eager on the phone like they're, not they're yeah, no. it's, that's a rough one right so I and I and I agree with you on the commute thing so that's actually when I, I worked at Cornerstone on Demand which is a software company in Santa Monica and I worked there for about six years uh-huh. and that was actually one of our top reasons for turnover was commute was commute um, yeah so that's something that we heard as feedback and we realized like yes there is a limit of how far somebody's willing to drive and that's about 45 minutes yeah and and from a recruiter's perspective the question that I ask is what will your commute look like and will that be a problem and I like like, to point it out and then they have the opportunity to say yes or no right right because I agree that like it's a two-way street and if someone wants to do it and they're over eager fantastic but you know you really have to as a job seeker you know as much as you want to be hired I think you also have to think about you know all of that and where you're at in your life and like what you want to do and where you want to do it. So no, well, great. I'm glad we, we chatted about that. So let's uh, go to our questions here in our studio. Marisol. All right. So my question is, I have a friend who has been looking for a job for quite some time now. She applied to a position and she went through a first round interview and then got rejected. Mm-hmm. Uh, the position opened up a year later again, and I encouraged her to apply and she's hesitant about applying. Should she apply? Would you interview someone who ha- you have interviewed before if you post the position again? Uh, that's a great question. Um, there are, could be a lot of things going in play there, but I always say yes. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Um, I haven't re-interviewed candidates before because sometimes the job changes. The position might have gotten filled. It might have not become a priority. The situation could have changed, so you never know. And something that I've suggested, too, is always email the hiring manager and say, hey, I saw this opportunity become available. And, or the recruiter, whomever they spoke to, and say, I saw the opportunity come available. Is this something that I could reapply for? Um, sometimes in application tracking systems, you have to check a box and it might like auto-filter people who've already applied before. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why I do think like it's worthwhile to reaching out. And like, if... I always appreciate when recruiters, you know, I always ask my recruiters, make sure you give them some feedback so that they mm-hmm. close the loop. And it's not just like, you were great, but no, mm-hmm. um, because that really doesn't give you the opportunity to fix anything or to like have anything to really go off of. So reaching out to the hiring manager or the recruiter and just saying, hey, I'm really interested in this opportunity. I saw mm-hmm. it become available. And hopefully they would say either yes or no at the get go. So Awesome. Yeah, and Tanya, what do you think? Would you interview the same person again if the position was reposted? 
Um, I definitely would. But one thing I would say right to that friend is um, next time they're declined, if possible, I would send an email to the recruiter and just really ask um, if they could provide any constructive feedback so that if that job does become reposted in the future, you kind of have um, a leg up and you know what you need to work on maybe. 